morning, Erasmus. Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Wrap. This is a podcast in which I will tell you about some of the top articles from the latest edition of Farmers Weekly magazine. We also take a look at the week's biggest agricultural news stories. This week I'm discussing the 28 August issue, which will be on shelf from 21 to 28 August. One of the prevailing trends in the farming sector these past few years has been a gradual shift by producers from conventional to conservation and regenerative production systems. These systems promote a return to healthy living soil, and the movement is fast gaining momentum in South Africa. In our 28 August magazine, we focus on different approaches to sustainable farming. One of the farming systems that you can read about in this issue is diversified farming business ZZ2's farming approach, which they call natuurboerderij, or farming with nature. Two decades ago, ZZ2 embarked on a journey that steers away from conventional agriculture towards a system that is more in tune with nature. This approach is based on a set of principles aimed at economic, social, and environmental sustainable agriculture, and it's inspired by insights gained from living ecosystems. It is much broader than conservation farming alone, um, which makes use of minimum to no tillage, stubble retention, and crop rotation to conserve soil health. The approach followed by ZZ2 also includes most of the components of regenerative agriculture, such as the use of mulching, compost teas, and compost to build soil health. It doesn't only aim to regenerate, but to improve and actively build productive and functional novel ecosystems. Retief de Toy, a member of ZZ2, who has been using Natir Boerderij since 2001 on fruit farms in the Warm Bokkeveld and Co Bokkeveld near Sirius in the Western Cape, says that when they first made the switch, they were afraid that it might negatively impact fruit yields and quality. But he says their yield curve has been constantly upwards and the overall quality of the product has remained excellent. Some of the changes that happened in the soil after switching to Natir Boerderij included an improvement in soil carbon levels and the structure of the soil, creating a more favorable environment for soil microorganisms. A change also occurred in the wheat spectrum, with overall problems with wheat decreasing over time. The holding capacity for water in the soil improved, resulting in better water infiltration, less runoff, and better wetting of the subsoil during irrigation. In addition, they also saw changes to the root systems of the trees, allowing the trees to seek nutrition and water over a wider area. Over time, they saw fruit sizes and yield increase and sunburn damage decrease. Also read about Donnie Slubbert, who has been farming with maize, soya beans, wheat, and sunflowers on his family farm near Reitz in the Eastern Free State for just over 20 years. Slabert used conventional farming practices during his first eight years on the farm, but then he decided to follow a new approach. He bought Drakensberger cattle for ultra-high density grazing when he started his regenerative farming journey. Then, a little over three years ago, he also acquired some meat master sheep. Describing what motivated him to switch to conservation and regenerative agricultural practices, Slabbert says that growing up on a farm, he has always been close to nature and aware of the way in which we depend on nature for water, food, 
heat, and, in effect, life. After much research to identify ways to reduce their farm's environmental footprint, he first settled on conservation farming, which later made way for regenerative farming. According to Slubber, the results were astounding. The soil structure improved significantly within the first year after they switched to conservation farming, and they saw almost an immediate shift in the macroorganism populations on the farm, coinciding with a huge boom in bird life, insects, and, and earthworms. But he warns that these early signs are mere indicators that you're on the right track. He says that while conservation and regenerative farming systems are more climate resilient and often more disease tolerant, they are less forgiving of management mistakes in terms of planting width and depth, the timing of operations, and so forth. They also require much better planning and management than conventional farming systems, as they do not work from a set of instructions that should be followed each month. With these systems, says Slubbert, you have to be constantly aware of what is happening in your land and adapt as needed. You also have many more factors that should be managed properly, such as livestock and cover crops. In our livestock section this week, we feature Kulile Mahalela, who in this short space of time since she started farming in 2015, has already won a number of awards for her young piggery business. Last year, she won two of the Agriculture Department's Female Entrepreneur Awards, Pumalanga's Female Farmer of the Year, and the Minister's Special Award for a Young Farmer. She grew up on a farm in Nkumazi in Mapumalanga, where her late grandmother farmed with pigs. However, Mashlalela says, at school she never dreamed of becoming a farmer, but rather a geologist. But by the time she finished school, she had resolved to follow in her grandmother's footsteps and decided to do a diploma in animal production. After she finished her studies, she worked as a farm manager at a large-scale pig producer in Middleburg for five years. But when that business closed down in 2015, she decided to risk going at it on her own. She started with only a handful of animals, but her business has gradually grown and now comprises a 20-sow unit that delivers roughly 130 pigs to be marketed per production cycle. Her pigs are slaughtered at between 55 and 65 kilograms at an abattoir in Bronkorspreit, but Mashalela processes the carcasses and packs and markets the meat herself. The meat gets packed in 1,4 kilogram portions and this is sold at around 120 rand per packet to people in her local community. Because of the good relationships that she's got with her customers, she's able to provide this to them on credit. She says the greatest lesson she has learned is that you need to plant your own feed because about 60 to 70% of her profit goes into purchasing feed for the piggery. Mashlalela hopes in the future, she will be able to access enough land so that she can plant maize to produce her own feed and also expand her business by putting up more pig houses. Let's now quickly take a look at some of the top news from the 28 August issue and from our website. Three South African agricultural seed companies have joined forces to create the joint venture company Lima Grain Zard South Africa. The companies are Linked Seed from Group Lima Grain, Clankaroo Seed Marketing or K2 from the Zard Group, and Seed Co. South Africa. The new company will be headquartered in Greytown with research and development stations in Potchefstroom and Babsfontein. 
and seed production will be undertaken in various locations across South Africa, with seed processing facilities in Greytown and Betol. The citrus industry is headed towards another record year for export, with about 60% of the 2020 export crop now dispatched. The industry expects to ship a total of 139,8 million 15-kilogram cartons which is about 10% more than was shipped last year. CEO of the Citrus Growers Association of South Africa, Justin Chad, confirmed that this would be a new record following the 136 million cartons exported in 2018. Chadwick also said that South Africa was now the second largest exporter of fresh citrus in the world, despite only being the 11th largest producer. This week, the Bureau for Food and Agricultural Policy launched its baseline agricultural outlook for the period from 2020 to 2029. According to this report, agriculture GDP was projected to grow by 13% this year. However, there were tough times ahead. Speaking at the report's virtual launch, Dr. Tracy Davids, Manager of Commodity Markets and Foresight at BFAP, said expected growth in agricultural GDP this year was underpinned by a bumper maize crop, surging export prices for major fruit categories, and strong overall sales of agricultural produce in the first four months of the COVID-19 pandemic. However, David said that while the weaker exchange rate, combined with above-average harvest prospects, supported the rebound in performance in 2020, the outlook beyond that remained under pressure, with projected average annual growth of just 0,7% in agricultural GDP from 2021 onwards. Davids explained that structural challenges such as infrastructure maintenance, reliable electricity supply, and the capacity of critical public services had been exacerbated by the pandemic. Therefore, low economic growth over the next few years did not provide the demand base that would be conducive to rapid expansion of the farming sector. A key message in the BFAP report is around the impact that the general poor economic outlook and depressed consumer demand will have on the agriculture sector. According to the report, the weight of the economic downturn in 2020 and the prolonged recovery thereafter suggests that some of the improvements in dietary diversification over the past decade may be reversed. As such, the long-term decline in per capita maize consumption is expected to turn around, yielding an increase in per-person consumption levels in South Africa over the coming decade. Linked to this is the latest National Poverty Lines 2020 report released by Statistics South Africa, in which it revised its three cost-of-living measurements as at April 2020. According to this report, the food poverty line, also known as the extreme poverty line, has now been set at 885 rand. The lower bound poverty line was set at 840 rand, and the upper bound poverty line was set at 1,268 rand per person per month. What made these figures so concerning, said agricultural economist Dr. Jakobus Loebscher, was that even though the so-called breadline or extreme poverty line at 585 rand per person a month was out of reach for so many South Africans, 
Lotus said the reality of the situation was that the food poverty line is more than the amount paid by government for a child grant. He added that while at a macro level, South Africa was food secure and produced sufficient food for its people at a reasonably affordable price, there were still millions in the country who remained food insecure. That was it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weekly Wrap. Join me again next week when I will be discussing some of the features from the 4 September issue, including a look at the devastating impact the COVID-19 pandemic and related trade restrictions has had on the local cotton industry. Readers can also look forward to learning more about the latest research conducted on nematode-resistant sweet potato cultivars. And we speak to a number of experts about the many advantages of regularly weighing your livestock, how to record this information, and how to use it to make better management decisions. Until next week, remember to follow us on social media for all the latest farming news updates. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly SA. Until then, stay safe and happy farming.